Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is You Did This To Us. Hello everybody, my name is Brett Stewart. Joining me, my wonderful co-host, David Luzader. How are you doing? Hello, uh, I'm doing. I'm doing fine. You know, before I saw this movie, my only exposure to the Beastmaster was a throwaway joke in Community, uh, season one, I believe, where Pierce dresses like the Peace Beastmaster, and uh, I will say like that. I was like, oh, okay. This I know this is a whole ridiculous joke, but I'm really kind of interested what this Beastmaster thing is. And now that I've seen it, I regret having that thought ever at any point in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Um, if it's any consolation, this is a trilogy, so we might have to watch more of these at some point. And a whole TV series, which I know is not our bag, but, you know. Oh, they made a TV series out of oh, this? Oh, yeah. Good if lord. They were begging, this okay. is the longest movie pilot or TV show pilot I've ever seen. No kidding. Uh, Nicole Davis, how are you? Uh, I saw this in the movie theater <laughs> when this first came out, guys. Oh, <laughs> Uh, my condolences. I remember it as being far more intriguing than this. But then I was 10, so... But there you go. You know, not not very discerning yet. Yeah, which is who it's made for. So, so before we get into the Beastmaster, uh, I do want to remind folks that next week we are starting a brand new uh, Wing Around the Roulette, and we are going to be doing a new to two. And it's my pick this time around. And it's not totally because this is my first week at a brand new job and I need all the time given back to me, so I picked a movie that's barely a movie. I picked Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, and I'm very excited for David and Nicole to see it, simply because, like, yeah, we can sit there and discuss whether or not it's technically a short film. It's 70 minutes long. It is an incredibly intriguing film that we will be drawing graphs for, un- undoubtedly. Uh, because <laughs> it is one of those movies where it's they're trying to do time travel on a micro-budget in a really cool way. It is an awesome Japanese independent film from about two years ago. And it also is like my favorite pandemic films, like anything made during the pandemic. It's awesome. So can't wait to check that out next week, Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. But this week, I unfortunately had to then pay overages on how much time I had to spend (laughs) and watch The Beastmaster from 1982. When High Priest Mayux, it can't just be Max, even though it's M-A-A-X, I'm not even going to be able to get through this description. When High Priest Mayix hears a prophecy that the king's firstborn son will one day kill him, he has one of his witches steal the unborn child for a sacrifice to his god, R. <laughs> but before the witches can kill the baby, a passerby kills her and takes the child to raise as his own, naming the child Dar. As Dar grows, he develops the ability to communicate with animals. The High Priest troops find Dar's village and destroy it. But Dar survives and sets out to fulfill his destiny with the help of his animal friends. Dar? The names are so (laughs) stupid. (laughs) They're so bad. The name... Oh, God. Yeah, you've got R and Dar. You've got the dog, Toto. And then you have Kodo and Poto, the ferrets. And then... Uh Yeah. Roo. Roo. The tiger. Well, and and Max... Max. Well, because yeah. here's the thing. Dar is an idiot. He, he treats us in... Well, yeah. Like, like he is... like it, More so than, like, your classic, like, 1980s, like, Conan the Barbarian and stuff. He truly acts like he is 11. And... Yeah. It's off-putting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's... It is. Yeah. I mean, there's no real reason for it. 
I mean, he, he's like full, raised around people until he's 20? Yeah. I have no idea what Something? age he's supposed yeah. to be at that point. It's because you would think like, oh, Beastmaster, he like lived in the wilderness and like learned with the no. animals. And ra- <laughs> No, yeah. He's just raised in a village and it discovers he has the ability to talk to animals, but doesn't do anything with it for a very, very long time. No, it's it's mostly inconsequential to the plot. <laughs> and for a movie called The Beastmaster, and when he does it... Now, now granted, I'm glad it, this didn't turn into Doolittle and some, like, you know, AR voices popped back at him from, from the ferrets. But with that said, he multiple times turns in this movie to the eagle in the sky and goes... <laughs> And it is the stupidest looking thing in the world. Yeah, it's not it great. It's so uncool. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah, it's less cool than it should be. And I have to, you know, I have to say this about the costuming. You guys know I am far from being a prude, but there's like a disconcerting amount of nudity in this movie. <laughs> or disconcerting mm-hmm. level of nudity across the board. I should say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Loincloths. So, di- so many, like, man diapers. Uh, <laughs> and then, like, the women. God, what, 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 was the, what was the main? Kiri. Kiri. I felt so bad for that actress. Tanya Roberts. I felt so bad for classic her. early role for her. Tanya Roberts, yeah. Yeah, the, the objectification of Kiri is essentially <laughs> this movie. And, and even, like, even the only other female characters in the movie are ones that are uh, nude at some point, or topless at least. And even, like, the witches... Oh, the witches. Uh, oh, can we talk about the witches? This I, is the I, most like, upsetting version of witches I think I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what's going on there. It was like party on the bottom and distressing monster on top. I don't understand. It's just melty face masks on hot babes, basically. Uh-huh. Who are right. just moving all weird. <laughs> The whole time. Uh, and, and ta- it's Eldritch. I'm talking about all the terrible names, of which there are many. There is also then Seth. <laughs> Seth is also here. Seth. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and Zed. The, the King Zed. Kiri, Zed, Dar, Mayax, and Seth. You know. Seth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when yeah. that came up, like, and John Amos as Seth. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought the name yeah. would be a little more exciting than that. But then I, as I'm watching, I'm like, no, that's the best name in the, in the movie. So the, these names, though, are, are far from awful in the echelon of early 80s, you know, sword and sorcery. And there, that, that was a phase, right? Like there was a popularity of D&D. Oh, yeah. Nicole, you named some in our document, you know, Clash of the Titans, Dragon Slayer, Excalibur, Heavy Metal, Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Early 80s was really into like skulls on pickets and loincloths. <laughs> and it's just like yeah. a very specific aesthetic that in hindsight, much like a lot from the 80s, is incredibly uncool. Uh, you know, it's post-sexual revolution. It's the rise of geekdom, especially with the popularity yeah. of Dungeons and Dragons. Suddenly, you know, high fantasy was making big money. So the movie studio said, hey, let's get in on that. Let's bring in, you know, swords and magic and all kinds of good right. stuff. And, oh, there's so many awful, awful, awful movies came out as a result. I don't know if you all have seen Ator the Fighting Eagle or any of the rest of that oh, Fighting Eagle? Yes. Which is just, you know, like some, I think he's an what? Italian model. And 
like these, <laughs> sure, you know, sure. sword and magic tales, and they're terrible. And at least one of them was done on uh, MST3K. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> or Rift Tracks, one of those. But yeah, there are so many bad movies shot out in the California desert or in yep. like the deserts of Italy oh, yeah. to try and cash in on this. And you get very few that were any good. You know, the ones I listed were the ones that were any good whatsoever. Wow, we're just going <laughs> to leave Lady Hawk out of here? Fine. Lady Hawk wasn't till 85. So. Okay, oh, that's true. That's true. I'm talking like the yeah. early, early 80s. Yeah. Yeah, late 80s, I mean, we, you know, you had, you had Princess Bride. You yeah. had, not my favorite, but people mm-hmm. really like Willow. And then, of course, Masters of the Universe is there. Oh, yes. so, High class. You know, really reached a, a peak. <laughs> right. Yeah, and there's also, I mean, the first half of this movie, to your point, Nicole, is just him running around Moab, whipping a stick around. So much and stick twirling. <laughs> Why? So much stick twirling and getting what on top of hills. And, and I'd love to know how he didn't get the worst sunburn known to man. How this man doesn't have skin cancer today? Because I'm just watching every single character in this movie in the hot desert, shirtless and and pantless. <laughs> and you would think too, with all that baby oil on him, constantly <laughs> just on constant, there. just glistening. Maybe it was copper yeah. tone. Literally, that's where the glisten came from. Baking. <laughs> I hope so. My goodness, kids, wear sunscreen. <laughs> So I, I, I play every week tabletop games because I am a nerd. And we play we play like, you know, everything from you know, D and D's not a tabletop game, but we play, you know, uh Warhammer not. and X Wing and uh, not the specific one that he's talking oh, about. Oh, all right. What was that? Not 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 like that it's not a tabletop game in the ones that you're talking about of like Warhammer and like all that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um no, it's you know, stuff like Star Wars X Wing and, and Dungeons and Dragons. No, I'm not Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. and like Warhammer and that sort of stuff. I keep saying D and D because we're talking about it. Point being is I play this with a group of guys that, that range in age from twenties all the way to fifties. And when I mentioned that this last week that we were watching this movie, instantly the guys in their forties and their fifties were like, Yeah, Beastmaster <laughs> Like because this was their thing. Yeah. Like <laughs> Like this, this whole entire movie to me is laughably awful, and I have a lot of stuff I want to rag on it for. But for them, it was really cool, and even when they revisit it, it's still really cool to them. So there, there is a generation of nerds that love this. That's that nostalgia goggles, really. You know, they they probably can recognize like, oh, this is really silly and ridiculous, but like it's Beastmaster. Yeah, right. You know, what well, we well, we all do a little bit with Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. Like, this is really ridiculous, but it's Star Wars. Speaking of Star Wars, um the the, the Jun come through like a pack the of Jun. sand raiders and you know, destroy this village. And and here's my issue with the Jun is that they serve no purpose. You could remove them from this movie entirely. It would be about a half hour shorter, and it would be better for it. Because the whole thing with the Jun is that they come through, and they kill his dad, and they destroy his village. Why couldn't the religious fanatics that Rip Torn is, is running just do that? You know, religious fanatics in science in fantasy always come through and burn towns because you won't you know, convert to their religion or what have you. Why couldn't they just come through and sacrifice the children in the village and kill the dad, and now all of a sudden his vengeance is for Rip Torn and not the random Jun guys that don't talk? Like, they're ominous, I guess, and they, they, they align with that aesthetic that they're going for, but this movie ends... Like twice. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the script writer was like, oh, yeah, the Jun and his whole vengeance thing. And they just have another 25 minutes at the end tacked on where they fight the Jun. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, admittedly, though, 
the final Jun battle looks pretty cool, what with all the fire and being shot yeah. at night. They- it is the only thing that looks cool. Yeah. They had to shoot it at night because they had 20 guys. They had 20 guys to play the Johns. Like, we have to make this seem like an army. Oh, yeah. So. No, this entire movie smells of, like, the fewest possible actors and even fewer of them with SAG cards who could have speaking yeah. lines. <laughs> right. So many people in masks. Yes. <laughs> Like we can't, we're not going to actually show your face. Yeah, there's there's so much like with the judge, and I wait. God, I want to talk about the ending because when when you know when the plot of your movie ends, but then it keeps going for another twenty minutes is always a, a great feeling for any film. But there's so much of this that is just like, that, like you said, like we could have gotten rid of the Juns. We also could have he could have just had the ferrets. He could have like as a boy picked up a couple of like ferrets who like were stealing from the village we didn't need 10 minutes of him meeting the ferrets we didn't need another 10 minutes of him like meeting the hawk meeting the tiger it's like his village gets burned down it's like okay well now we have to do a whole bunch of other stuff to set up him with all of his animals and then we'll get back to the plot of the movie i have my eyes I have my cunning, and now I have strength. Right, right. And to me, the only two emotional points of this movie are when his childhood wolf dies, which is about five minutes into the movie, and when uh, Kono the ferret Kodo, dies. Yeah. That, yeah, that hits you like a ton of bricks for a movie that has no emotional weight at all. <laughs> Seeing Kono just get unceremoniously chucked in a fire oh, yeah. is pretty oh, sad. Oh, that was traumatizing when I was yeah. a kid. I could see <laughs> that. Like, no, not the ferret. But there's baby Konos at the I, end. Yes, That's the only part the of this movie I like. At the end. That was that yeah, was a nice cute. bonus to have. It's it's like your reward for hanging in until the end of the movie. You get to see baby ferrets. <laughs> <laughs> you get to see baby animals. I'm sure he smells like shit carrying a bunch of baby ferrets around. Oh, God, I can't just imagine. Ferrets in general? Just saying. I can't imagine the way Dar smells. It's gotta be. <laughs> well, it's gotta you know, be between the sweaty works up, swinging the stick around, and the desert mountains, and the, all the animals, you know, got the musky yeah. tiger, you got the bird probably pooping yeah. on him, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, God. Uh, the scene when he meets Kiri... Because they just ham-fist a love interest into this story without any real rhyme or reason. And he finds her, you know, bathing naked. Of course. In a a stream or whatever. With her friend, who is credited as Kiri's friend. Nice. At least it wasn't Um, like topless girl number two, you know? I suppose. (laughs) Topless girl number two. (laughs) This is a progressive film. Yeah. Um, But... Yeah, so he he fakes a panther attack, or is it a panther or a tiger? It's kind of black. I think it's a panther. It's a melanated tiger. Okay, I mean that's what it actually is. I don't know. What it's uh, supposed he fakes to be. a tiger attack with his tiger. Don't move. The beast is fierce, but if we show no fear, we might escape. So he has a tiger wingman that sets sets it up for him to get some, and then just like, uh, it's so creepy. Her. Yeah, like it's so creepy. Forces a kiss on her, and then she like smacks him and leaves. And and then later is like, hey, dude, you owe me your life, but I'll accept this as payment. Mm. 
What an intense kiss, though. Probably the most insane-looking kiss I think I've ever seen put the film. Well, come on. This guy has clearly not, you know, he's he's not an experienced guy. Let's say. There's like three girls in his village. They're all already married. No, I think Dar was a little shelter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, And and my other other thing I want to kind of rag on in this movie for, and I feel like okay doing it because there are movies in these veins that we've talked about in the show already that do it better. Is the choreography uh, or the choreography, choreography, the choreography, yeah. the choreography of this film and and the fighting is is so terrible. It's it's, it's comedic <laughs> because you have, I mean, because everything's kind of like slow, right? Because they're very deliberately choosing their steps. You have points where he stabs people, and it's really clear they're just putting the the fake sword in between their arm and their rib cage. Yeah. Um. There's there's so many instances where he's like trying to flip or. Or jump over something, and he does it very slowly, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like there wasn't any sort of stunt man for him, which I'm sure there wasn't. It's just, it's all done by people who have never been trained to know what they're doing. So you have to admire them for trying, but it's clear that there was no serious thought put into the way that these battles would actually look. I mean, I think there was serious thought, but then like the time came, and it was like, oh, okay, how do we actually do this? Uh, well, yeah, maybe. Well, we've got a budget of about five dollars for this scene, <laughs> so uh, wing it. Oh, it absolutely. It's like yeah, they probably in there out in there, so they probably didn't want to be like out there all day because Mark Singer, <laughs> you don't want to cook Mark Singer alive. <laughs> right. So it's like all right, we got to do this quick. Oh my gosh, the scene where all the Jun come through and kill his dad in village, and then he creates a funeral pyre with them, and you look, you're looking at the funeral pyre, and you can see bodies breathing up and down, yeah. and his dad is breathing, and then at one point, he puts the, the wolf mm-hmm. under the dad's arm, and the dad's arm just moves to grasp the wolf. <laughs> yep. Like, yeah. Just... You're right. It, it reeks of people that don't have sad cards that were, were fortunate enough to make, you know, 20 bucks a day's work on this movie. I, I had in my notes, how did the Juns get those people up on those pikes? Oh, that's a good point. Because when he's walking through the village, there's like, there's bodies that are just like, uh, like on there. It's, it's a fairly impressive visual. Yeah. They're high. But they're high up there and they're like through these giant pikes. So it's like, did two people, like one person grab the wrists, another person grab the the ankles and they just all right one two three ah missed just chuck it up i'm thinking more like a rope uh, and pulley kind of system that they must have i guess that up, would also work yeah about the breathing thing i did notice that they managed to have the dog not breathing but it's because they showed a still shot of the dog mm-hmm. lying there it's and it's very clear because the plants aren't moving in the slightest in the breeze mm-hmm. or anything cut to a still shot of the dog and they did that twice the same still yeah. shot of the dog lying there yeah. I, was just, I, was so, I mean you know so kudos sad. to the dog actor because it's, when he carries him the dog's <laughs> totally limp although i'm starting to wonder if there were you know dog drugs involved there i know i was getting worried too i'm like this poor dog oh my gosh who like got an arrow in him but was still like pulling you know pulling him out of there pretty strong yeah. I was like, okay he's gonna be wandering around with this wolf for the rest of the movie and then he wakes up and dead yeah <laughs> yeah that would have been cool though i would see, see to your point earlier david i would have liked it if they had just early on established his you know furry companions and they're just there you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. rather than the whole like meet cute for every, each of them like 20 minutes each where he's falling in a sand hole or <sighs> you know fighting jun off of the tiger which is the worst fight sequence in the movie oh yeah 
by far. It's, oh, to that me. one's real bad. And like the yeah, uh, the sequence with like and the quicksand. I felt so bad for those like ferrets because they had to like get a ferret buried in sand for him to like dig up. Yeah, like that poor little thing. Yeah, I am not sure the ASPCA was involved in this. Absolutely movie. <laughs> not. <laughs> Poor Kono. Because yeah, you kind of you start to wonder if that little sucker's going to drown before he can pull it out. So yeah. it's pretty worrying. And after what happened to the wolf, I was prepared for that. And hey, they unceremoniously kill it later. Um, yeah. well, while the other one watches, but it saves so the, the day. <laughs> you know, it does. it does save the day. I guess. Um, the dialogue in this film, there's some moments in the movie that really made me, you know, kind of cock my head at it. And my favorite one is he has this, this buddy that he meets because he saves the, oh my God, because he saves the kid. Oh God. <laughs> the eagle saves the kid. Um, from falling into the fire and being sacrificed because an eagle picks up the child. <laughs> the, the best was when the eagle carried the kid. That was the best <laughs> moment in the whole movie. I was like, maybe. <laughs> two of them were had her on a string and they're carrying it together i know right like oh it looked insane this, this one eagle and like an 11 year old child um <laughs> or like seven maybe and uh he comes back to this guy's house because obviously this guy is now indebted to him and it's his buddy and the guy says to him you know these guys sacrifice our children they kill you know our families they're absolutely horrible they're monsters and then dar turns right around and says yeah, but what about the girl? It's just like, come on, my dude. Read the room. You have no connection to Kiri at all, aside from the fact that you more or less assaulted her while she was swimming. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. This movie. Uh, so I, I have some problems with the dialogue. Now, using your ability to communicate with animals and try to pick up women. <laughs> David. Uh, yeah, he, he, he does it. He's so creepy. He's like, oh. That monster, that priest is going to hurt you. But don't worry, I got you. And how are you going to reward me? By me forcing myself upon you. Yeah. Also, like, aside, I'm trying to really think about it. Aside from the eagle whisking away the child and Kono being fed to the flames, does his ability ever really come in, in handy that much? The eagle, one other time, the eagle, when they're, like, escaping out a window, the eagle, like, attack some guy in the face and causes him to leap to his death. The eagle's the most useful one. Oh, definitely. He gets the aerial view. Yeah, exactly. But listen, I, I've seen or I, I've seen Peacemaker, and I understand that you don't have to have like a two-way talking thing with the eagle where like it understands you that well. Like it could just be your sidekick. Like you just have a cool eagle sidekick. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that's why I struggle with with this movie is that it's called Beastmaster. And it feels entirely inconsequential and boring. And in fact, outright dorky most of the time. Well, and it also feels like the beasts only help out when they feel like it, really. Right. <laughs> he doesn't seem very, yeah. like he masters them very much. It's just sort of, hey, you want to you wanna help me out and go look over there? And I'm like, yeah, right. You know? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> now, now, speaking of things that are weirdly inconsequential until they're abruptly not... The winged people. Uh, <laughs> what, okay. what was that scene when he meets them? I know. Okay. All right. Now, I have to say, as a kid, seeing that those things freaked me the hell out. I could see why. Big oh, they time. had they've been terrifying. Yeah. I get that. They were very upsetting. 
<laughs> yeah, they are upset. That. You're correct. <laughs> it's like they're still upsetting. They will melt you. You can't predict what they're going to do. You know, mm-hmm. and the only reason they don't melt Dar is because he has an eagle friend, and they appear to worship the eagle. So yeah, they're good with that. From their you know giant like neo-Nazi statue of the eagle that they've got there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then and then we're, we're kind of burying the lead here, which is that they wrap up people in their giant bat wings and then melt them with acid for, you know, and, and all that's left is, you know, their armor just... And goo. ...falling out of the giant wings the goo. and goo. Always mm-hmm. so much goo it- in this movie. <laughs> And they're they're canonically called the Wing Devourers. Yeah, that name's <laughs> um, rad. Which is kind of a cool name, but Very uh, yeah, like yeah. W- w- d- does the eagle go and get them? Yes. In the end? Yes, he does. He he gives them because he they gave him because he like meets them. They see he has an eagle. Smash cut to the next morning, and he's like, "Look at this token of friendship I have." Not going to explain oh, how okay. I got it, but then he, he gives that to the eagle. I guess the eagle like explains the situation. Well, it's like they, after they come the, to help. the night he meets them, like as he's leaving, one of them stops him and gives him the gives him the necklace or whatever the heck it is. Yeah, so. Chekhov's yeah. Chekhov's eagle pendant. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and they're. I thought the visual was cool with the giant tree and the big glowing sacks hanging off. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It is cool. It just looks like it's randomly in, you know, a studio somewhere rather than actually outside. Right. It's right. Yeah. This because like that was like the coolest like visually part because like the ziggurat, they kept calling it a pyramid. It's a ziggurat. But (laughs) that that thing they kept showing, it was just so visually uninteresting Compared yeah. to like not compa- very tall, yeah, and I, I just think of the the movie that got introduced to me through this podcast or our previous podcast, but Flash Gordon, which Flash Gordon has that same air of being a little bit cheap, but they like there's just so much heart and everything they yes. did that even though it's like I can tell this is yeah. like on a studio floor, it's like I'm still in this, I am in this world. This is ridiculous, but great, let's do it. Where this just yeah, you feel the budgetary constraints, and they were like, they were trying to push against them, not like play within them. Right. Yeah, most of the cast is very low energy. Oh yeah. You know, I think Mark Singer is trying. Yeah, yeah he's doing something. And Rip, Rip Torn is not. You know, Rip Torn is getting a paycheck. He's, yeah, he's getting a paycheck. You know, Rip Torn can go. That's like a five on the Rip Torn scale. He could. Go, oh yeah, it can go like way more. Yeah, bonkers than that. <laughs> they wasted Rip Torn. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. Yeah, and also you know John Amos just hanging out here, as Claire says, looking magnificent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He looks amazing, he, and he's you know he looks like a badass. He acts like a badass. He's seems like the only person who knows what he's doing possibly in the entire cast uh not just as an actor yeah. but like as his character seems like the only person who knows what they're doing at all times 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He's the best. He, I mean, I was so glad once he entered the film. I was like, thank God, somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> Someone who will finally notice there's a literal eye on this ring. <laughs> somebody as, as an actor, just somebody who gives a shit like yes. about what is going on. And again, I do think Mark's, I get what Mark Singer was trying to do here. He's trying to be that semi-detached, but still heroic wanderer. Like, yeah, right. you know, he's going to leave, he's going to help save your village, but he's going to wander away at, at the end of the day. And I just don't think he was maybe necessarily the right guy for that job. No, no, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, I it, think they hired him for his, his physicality, because he had, you know, yeah. studied martial arts and things before. Oh, he, he, yeah, he, he fit the look. Oh, well, yeah, clearly did right. not skip leg day. Uh, absolutely did not. <laughs> so. And you can tell because he's like the most naked out of anybody in the cast for the majority of the time. So it's just like, why uh, yeah, is everybody? Yeah. This is I. This was like all caps. And this, why is does nobody have any pants in this movie? <laughs> There's like literally yeah, the pants budget. The pants there, budget was yeah, zero. People will have loincloths. They'll have like these short shirts that stop just at the bottom of their butt. And but like the loincloths, even they don't have sides. There's like no, no wrap around the sides. Everybody's butt cheeks are hanging out on the sides, and it's what? Yep. Why nobody's costume budget is this small? Is it? Is it? Is that possible? <laughs> Apparently, it was. <laughs> it's. It was. It was part of the aesthetic, you know. Like it. Just, that's how a lot of these movies look. <sighs> I mean, I think you know, David. You mentioned Geek Cinema because. We watched a lot of movies like this in the 50-some episodes of Geek Cinema. If you like this discussion, there's plenty more of them on that feed because this was very much like the, you know, seminal geek thing that, you know, geeks would pick when they came on the show because we had that big list because a lot of this stuff just exists within that culture. I do also want to call out that the the man that plays his dad... His foster dad? Like his, his adopted dad... His foster dad, his, his real name is Ben Hammer, which is a great name. Yes, a great name. And uh, lived till 93 and worked all the way up through wow. that. Has a remarkably long filmography of over 100 different credits, leading all the way up to the year after his death. He had filmed something the year before. Pretty wild. Uh, nothing I've ever seen before, but shout out to Ben Hammer. Hey, he was working. Yeah. 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 I felt so bad yeah. for him because they were building him up to be... This guy was maybe a former warrior who was training his son in how to defend himself and defend the village. And when the Juns are coming, you can see him like getting ready and getting in a stance. And you think he's going to take out like five or six of them before they even injure him. And he just gets mowed straight down immediately. Straight, immediately. immediately. Well, he's, he stands yeah. there. He does this weird thing where he draws a line in the sand. Yeah. And just yeah. like there's, he doesn't say he's not like ah, you, they will not cross this line, anything like that. It's just line in the sand, and then five seconds later, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was real bummer. <laughs> yeah, so uh, dialing back to the spy ring just one more time because yes. I really do want to take a moment to bask in the appreciation of the literal spy ring that was like an eye of one of the witches. I guess so, yeah. Embedded in a ring. I, I thought that was a pretty good prop, you know? Um, it was pretty yeah. cool. The cauldron they're looking into looked terrible, yes. but the prop itself looked really cool. Yeah. 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 The ring's got a little, like, lid on it, and it opens up, and there's an actual eye looking around, checking stuff out. Yeah. Oh, it's just, and it's icky. It's icky looking. <laughs> I don't like yeah, it. It's pretty creepy. It's not yeah, bad. it is. And now, 
there, there's also a couple other you know signature 80 things throughout this movie we haven't talked about yet, such as that title sequence I didn't skip. Oh, God, um, title <laughs> sequence. Oh, they're so long. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just very classic 1980s. Yeah, here are still photos of things from the movie, and mm-hmm. we will tint them, and then we will put very large very large font that we just invented yesterday for <laughs> to put on. <laughs> exactly. That says the beast master. Oh, so much, so much original font. Uh, <laughs> and, and of course all this direction is coming from the director and writer, Don Coscarelli. Yeah. Uh, who had a fairly eclectic career. Do you want oh, to name some of these oh, off? Nicole? Quite. Yeah, this was, he made like two coming of age movies in the seventies and then he made phantasm which really put him on the map. It was not a huge success, but it was a big cult success. It has a lot of fans. There are like four sequels so far. Don Coscarelli's mm-hmm. not that old. He can keep going. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, he did Phantasm, and then he follows up Phantasm with this movie. And then, you know, like years afterward, he does Bubba Hotep, which oh, yeah. a lot of people like, you know, it's a it's a fun and interesting idea of mummies attacking a nursing home and mm-hmm. somebody who claims to be JFK, only, you yeah. know, not the right race for it. And somebody who claims to be Elvis uh, have to defeat the mummies. And it's hilarious. And it's really good. I've seen it. And then he also did John Dies at the end, which I liked a lot. Oh, not yeah. everybody does. It's not perfect, but I liked it. Yeah, it's John Dies at the End is one of those movies that at some point, if, if you've been in college post-2012 when it came out, l- like I was, at some point some dude came in your dorm and was like, we should watch this movie, it's called John Dies at the End. <laughs> and that's that's very much how I yeah. saw it. So he's only made like 13 movies, I think. And he was he was offered but turned down Conan the Destroyer, the sequel to Conan the Barbarian, and Nightmare on Elm Street 2, among other projects. Oh, he turned those down? Yeah, he turned them down. He was offered those, but I think... You and your budgets. Conan the Destroyer, I think he had just done Beastmaster and didn't want to do something similar right away. Something better with more money? (laughs) With an actor that people care about? Conan the Destroyer is terrible. (laughs) I know, but it's... it's, I'm I'm looking up the budget here of what Conan the Destroyer was. I had to have been more than this movie. So that's just like actively bad acting in it not just actors that haven't had much experience yet (laughs) but if you want to talk about like the classic physique of this of this insane era it's totally arnold well yeah yeah but i mean not everybody can reach that kind of dimension (laughs) no okay yeah it had twice the budget of this movie, but the Beastmaster surprisingly made for $9 million, box office of 14. Okay. Where that money went, nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> so, additionally, uh, yeah, first of all, interesting career, and I guess he'll still be around. Is, has he made anything in the last decade besides John Dysdale? Uh, he's gotten writing credit for Phantasm Ravager just because of, you know, characters and situations he had invented in the previous right. movies. Um, he's supposedly working on something right now that is possibly a Phantasm okay. reboot, but that's been rumored for a long time. So, gotcha. Well, uh, he also invents a very cool weapon in this movie called the Kappa, and or the Kappa. 
how do they say? I, I think it's Kappa. It's the metal throwing thing. Yeah, and then does nothing with it. Yeah, they use it like <laughs> uh, twice. It's it's so he uses it the, the oh my god the first time he uses it is in that scene when he's when he's freeing the tiger and he throws it and it just misses and then he goes. And just like whips back around like a boomerang and just kind of sticks in the guy's back and you hear the the really bad folly work. Oh, the folly work in this movie. And uh as it sticks in the guy. But yeah, it's it's like it's kind of a cool thing, and like he even gives it to the really like his his, his brother. Half brother no, at the end of the movie, the king. Is it not his full brother? Uh, no, it's his half brother. Well his mom died. Oh, that's right. Uh you know, that requires me to care about the first half of this movie or any part of this movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which which um, turns so, out, you know, because Kiri is Tal's cousin, which makes her Dar's cousin also. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, it was a different time, you know. <laughs> it was a different time. Different era. Uh, yeah, no, but you're right. They do something. They, they build this, like, cool thing that's like, looks like it's out of Zelda, and you pick it up in a special chest, and they do nothing with yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, um, they did much better the following year with... Uh, crawl where they had this throwing glaze oh, yeah. that was awesome the and glaze. used all the time yeah. throughout the movie and everybody's like whoa that's so cool why doesn't anybody think of this before <laughs> and, and to your point like it could have been that like classic if this movie is going to hold a special place in in, in middle-aged geeks hearts it, the kappa could have been something really cool that they all have models of at comic-con right. right but like because they did nothing with it and it's not fun it just kind of fell away um Longest television pilot I've ever seen from David. Uh, so clearly yeah. wants to be. So clearly wanted to be a series. It became a series. I mean, it did. Just yes, not immediately. Just right. But just like you know, this. I mean, it has the budget. It feels like you would have seen this as an '80s show that was like trying to get picked up. It's like we already have the double episode for the first two nights, so people are going to watch. You know, and they have. I'm looking at the show right now. It came out in 99, so much later down the road. And Mark Singer's in it as a different character. Interesting. Well, at that point, he was, you know, probably not, uh, probably not as, you know, keeping it as tight. No, that's entirely possible. That's true. He was a good, good bit older uh, at that point. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad he at least had, he's a working actor. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, oh, I, I, he hasn't had anything. I don't think he's had anything really good since V back in the mid '80s. But oh wow, the original, the original v, v, yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, if anybody hasn't seen that and has the opportunity to, absolutely go watch it. It's great. Oh my god, I'm watching the title sequence right now of Beastmaster the show, and there's a lingering shot of him and another woman, both topless. Making out while he rotates in a pool. This is yeah. well, all right then. This is something. Okay, they they certainly kept this faithful. <laughs> I'm just briefly skipping through this first episode, and this is right in line with what I just saw, and might actually be more poorly produced. All right, that's something for a couple drinks. Um, so, Nyquil the movie is is what I decided to to, to call this movie because I couldn't I couldn't get through it, guys. I mean, I watched it. I had to. Because that's that's the point of this. But oh my god. I started this thing like five days ago. I watched about twenty minutes of it. I fell asleep. I watched another twenty minutes. I fell asleep. I rewound ten minutes because I forgot that ten minutes. At some point I missed that the eagle goes and gets the other crazy eagle people. And long oh my god. Why is this movie two hours? 
Why? Not to mention that it uses glowing NyQuil at several uh, points in the film. Yeah, right. It is, and it's it's that, that that's my biggest gripe about this movie is that I am here for some of these crazy early '80s sword and sorcery films if they're really fun. Yeah, and I just don't think this movie's that fun. I think it's really boring. Yeah, yeah. Conan the Barbarian is fun. It's big and it's dumb, right. but it's fun. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love Dragon Slayer. That movie is insane. Yeah. Like it, Dragon Slayer's great. This movie doesn't have that. No, no, it doesn't. So, it just it it goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> and then yeah. when you think it's when it's ended, and you know Mayax gets thrown in the fire, Mayax. thanks to that wonder, thanks to that <laughs> ferret who sacrifices himself bravely for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then they have to oh go fight goodness. the Juns with the tar tar moat that they've covered over. The, yeah, the Juns like appear yeah. in the distance. Like we have to prepare for the Juns. They're going to wait patiently there for about seven hours. Yes, while we watch the <laughs> animated smoke approaching. <laughs> yeah, while we yeah. get this going. But uh, oh my gosh, so many scenes where like they look over yonder to see the the, the village in the distance, and it's just a painting. Right. <laughs> well, of course. Uh, which again, I'm okay with if it's done well and it's fun um but okay. and, and again we did so much of these types of movies in geek cinema god every third movie was probably like an 80s nostalgia pick that was not especially yeah. great guys do you know but, I, I don't know chemistry all that well does tar explode when you light it on fire hmm. i you know i don't think so pretty sure that's uh not something that it does it looked really good though <laughs> Yeah. Uh, tar is highly flammable, it's flammable and has a vigorous reaction, sometimes amounting to explosions. Well, but I don't think an open so. pit. I don't think an open pit would just explode. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I think if it was like contained in something, and oh, you light okay. it on fire. Right, sure. You're exactly right. It has to be. It has to be a massive change in volume. So if you had like a bottle of tar or something like that that was then lit a lit a blaze and maybe that explodes. Okay. But to your point, David, I don't know if it's just a giant pit of tar yeah i don't think i don't think that's going the way they said it would no 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 yeah. it's not all right beastmaster uh we we did our time we did this our might time. be our shortest episode uh, if you'd like ever. to vote <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey we got 40 minutes out of this which is just how long this movie should have been because it should have been a pilot uh if you want to follow along, though, you should head on over to youdidthistous.com. We've mentioned it a couple times in passing, but it's currently up. Uh, it's a really fun-looking website that just gives you the opportunity to bookmark it, vote every five weeks, and uh, keep along with You Did This To Us. And we'll, of course, post on social media when you have the opportunity to vote on that as well. But let's go around the horn, uh, see where we can find everybody online. Nicole, what are you up to? Uh, well, other than possibly, you know, planning a trip to go see where they shot it, because, I mean, they shot it in some pretty places. They shot it in, like, Simi Valley in some place called Valley of Fire yeah. State Park in Nevada. Nice. Other than that, I take care of our Facebook page at facebook.com slash moviegoroundpodcast. Very good. And what about you, David? Davluz, D-A-V-L-U-Z on Twitter and Instagram. I've had to set everything to private just uh, for professional reasons. Um, not that I'm saying anything wildly crazy there, but as a teacher, you know, it's just better this way. <laughs> but request to follow me and you will see uh, what I'm up to. Yes, the, the students will always find you. <laughs> yep. uh, my, my, my wife most certainly learned that at some point as a fellow teacher. Yeah. The internet keeps your receipts. Yes, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter. At I am Brett Stewart. I'm working on a couple of new podcasts 
that uh, we're hopefully going to come out in the next couple of months. So keep an eye out there. I've been working really hard on that. And then lastly, I've never really mentioned it on the show, but I figured I would if you kind of want to hear some stuff I've been editing every Friday episode of PX3, Politics, Politics, Politics. Uh, if you are at all interested in listening to that show by a previous guest on this show, Justin Robert Young, uh, I host, I, I don't host, I edit all of his Friday episodes. So uh, if you're at all politically inclined, go check that out because he pays me to do that. And if you keep listening to it, I can keep getting paid. So <laughs> that would be great. And it's a really good show. Uh, but that'll do it for myself, David and Nicole. We will see you next week. Again, it is new to two. We are watching Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Mm-hmm.